You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier, and we've got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. Uh, my co-host, Landon McCool, follow him on Twitter, at McCoolBCB, recorded a just, just a brilliant uh, podcast with Daniel Houston, better uh, known as Cow- at Cowboy Stats on Twitter. Uh, this is a podcast that goes in a lot of different directions, but talks about uh, analytics and Twitter are on, you know, f- in football, how do we use them? Uh, just a really smart conversation. We're going to break up their conversation into a couple different podcasts. Uh, today, we're just going to be talking about uh, EPA, introductions to the stats, how we should use those going into it. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let me toss it to Landon and we will go ahead and get started with the pod. I am joined by a very special guest, a guy I've been trying to get on the show for a while. Uh, he is really caught my eye on Twitter. His, his Twitter handle is at uh, Cowboys Stats. Um, Daniel Houston, uh, da- Daniel, how you doing? And uh, please tell everyone, um, you know, what, what, what you like to do with analytics specifically and, and kind of why I brought you here. Oh, sure. Well, first of all, oh, sell yourself, Daniel, sell yourself to these. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, thank, thanks so much for having me, Landon. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, for those who aren't familiar kind of with what I do, I, I kind of run a, uh, uh, an account on Twitter. Uh, I do a little bit of freelance work as well for for WFAA, where I kind of write about the Cowboys and uh, have been a big Cowboys fan for a long time, and uh, have always had an interest in uh, kind of what the advanced analytics community has to say about the game of football, and also how that applies to the Cowboys. And you know, about about a year ago, um, you know, I had been writing for w- WFAA for a little while. Um, but about a year ago, I had discovered this uh, incredible, relatively new uh, resource to obtain uh, an, a large amount of NFL data. It's called NFL Scraper. And then uh, one of the benefits of this database is that it also gives you access to um, expected points models, where you can run every single play through something called an expected points model. Um, this is something that I had kind of read about for uh, several years, uh, a guy named Brian Burke at ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had, uh, done a lot of work uh, on this front that, uh, had informed things from the New York times fourth down bot, um, to uh, a number of conclusions about, you know, the run and the pass on early down stuff that we're probably going to talk about today. Um, and anyway, I was just fascinated by this, this angle of looking at football. And as soon as I found a, a resource <laughs> that, I could actually work with the data myself. I uh, was I was just in on it. You know, I I had to learn a little bit of coding, and then once yeah. I once I kind of learned uh, the base basic technical skills um, well enough to use this data, um, I wanted to share it. So that's kind of why I started this Cowboys Stats uh, account. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been it's been a fun a fun ride. Uh, very uh, very interesting. Uh, engagement um it's fun it's fun to watch you interact on twitter and we talked about this before that you know you you operate on on a stats based you know as much as you can fact based 
account. And, and, and a lot of people don't like that. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people want to hold on to their beliefs as opposed to facts. And, and, you know, I think that there's arguments to be made. And I feel like I've had arguments before with analytic people about application, you know, but not, but not so much, you know, where, what, what the numbers are saying or what, or what, what these stats mean. I, I think it's funny just to watch people have their reactions to your information directly related to what their you know previous narratives were, whether it's you know whether people should pay DAC or whether you know running backs matter. It's it's just funny to see people how they react to you. Yeah, and well, the thing is, the reason they're reacting this way, I mean, it's everyone has their own like prior assumptions about the game of football, especially if you're a big fan and you've followed it for years. Um, I certainly had mine and still have yeah. mine. Um, it's it's funny. I actually, you know, might surprise some people to hear this, especially if they're familiar with my account. But I wrote an article a couple years ago um, where I was basically uh, using um, kind of spurious uh, uh, techniques to to conclude that actually perhaps Zeke was uh, a more important uh, figure for the Cowboys than Dak was in 2016. Um, Mm. what I did here was not a crazy idea. It was to basically look at all of the drives. I, I individually charted every drive where, uh, Zeke was out of the game, uh, they brought him out of the game, like sometime in the second quarter, almost every game. Um, so I was just looking at those drives where Zeke was not the primary ball carrier. And I compared the passing performance on those drives to, uh, the passing performance on, on all the others where Zeke was a part of the game. And there was a big difference, you know, and so I wrote a whole article on, on that basis. Um, and I was basically confirming a, a prior assumption I had and in interpreting mm. this very small sample of a very small number of drives through my base assumption that, you know, a rookie quarterback uh, was having a lot of success and it didn't quite make sense. And perhaps here was an explanation. Um, I now think that. I was wrong, or if I, you know, even if I was right, I was right for the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. But that's just one example of like, I mean, you know, I have a lot of interactions on Twitter where I think people uh, are reacting kind of the same way, where they have that initial assumption, and they see something that doesn't line up with it. And even if it's based in hard facts and data, um, you know, there's, there is room for interpretation and differences. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny, kind of, when you do just throw out a basic, uh, you know, a basic fact, and then people uh, get mad about it online, that's it's always kind of fun to watch. So, real quick, I mean, uh, we we talked about this a little bit, but I have an a background in IT. I mean, that's my day job essentially. So, I deal with database technology, and and so I had when you started talking about NFL scraper, I, I obviously had a, a, a little bit of experience in that kind of technology and sort of, uh, you know, database interfacing that can help extract information, you know, and, and I, I think that it's important to kind of help explain wh- why there's this, been ex- this explosion for uh, all these accounts and, and, and what the NFL scraper has allowed people to do with all the play-by-play information that is was kind of not previously available. Oh, sure. Um, gosh. So before NFL Scraper, um, the best resource for people who wanted to work with uh, NFL stats was 
almost certainly pro football reference, which is still a fantastic resource. And for most people, if you have a question about a particular uh, situational stat, if you want to run a query um, to compare players, that's a fantastic place to go. Um, What it's not great for, at least in my experience, is actually working with all of the data yourself yeah. and, and really analyzing situational um, play calling and, and things of that nature over a huge sample. We're talking hundreds of thousands of plays over the last decade, right? So yeah. NFL Scraper, what it did for the analytics community was incredible. I, shout out to Ron Yorko and Sam mm-hmm. Ventura and the team um, that put this together. Basically, NFL Scraper is not a database. NFL Scraper is a series of tools and code (laughs) that allows you to scrape the NFL play-by-play from the NFL's official website, and then it runs all of this information for every single play through a uh, fairly, it it sounds complex, but it's really a relatively simple uh, expected points model that tries to value uh, the value of each down and distance at each part of the field. and. This is by far the most accessible that expected points models have ever mm-hmm. been. Uh, NFL Scraper is the whole reason I like learned part of a programming language, right? I would never have done that, except I had this fascination with EPA for years. Um, it had never been really accessible. NFL Scraper made expected points and expected points added a very accessible statistic for people who really wanted to find it. Um, beyond expected points models, NFL Scraper is fantastic just for looking, I mean, just looking at anything you would like to look at, your your yards per play, it has air yards. You can look at, you know, average depth of target in certain situations. You can look at completion percentage uh, adjusted for depth of target. Some in, some incredible uh, things that you can do with NFL Scraper. And it's, you know, uh, I can't speak highly enough of it as a resource. Um, but yeah, it's allowed for a lot of accounts to kind of pop up. Um, on Twitter and elsewhere, where they're just doing incredible work that hasn't been done before, at least not publicly, and certainly not for free on a, a, a medium like Twitter. So it's it's been an incredible step forward, I think, for the analytics community in football. So we we've we've heard you talk about expected points, EPA, as as the terminology goes. Obviously, before we go any further and, and start talking about any of these analytics and how they apply to the team that we love, we need to do a little bit of introduction of term for people that, that are not completely familiar with it. So give us the the brief explainer of what EPA is. Sure. So EPA is kind of trying to add context to yardage because we all know that a two-yard gain on third and one is a great play. Um, but a two-yard gain on third and eight is a pretty useless play, right? Um, yeah. So the context behind the yardage is largely tied to the down and distance of each play and the, the part of the field that you're on. Um, and those are the main factors that go into what we call expected points models, down, distance, field position. So basically, um, this... Uh, there's different expected points models that have slightly different methodologies. I use NFL Scraper just because it's the most accessible one. But um, generally, they all do roughly the same thing. Um, they look at historical scoring expectancies um, from every down distance and field position on the field. So how often did a team actually score a touchdown 
from this field position? How often did a team actually score a field goal? And then how often did the opponent score a touchdown? How often did the opponent score a field goal? Um, And it basically averages all of these outcomes together to give you a value of that particular part of the field at that down and distance. And then the statistic expected points added, which is usually what I use uh, on Twitter, expected points added is just the change in that value from the beginning of the play to the end of the play. So if you improve your chances of scoring based on these historic scoring expectancies, that's considered a positive EPA play. Um, It's considered a successful play by some definitions. Um, And the nice thing about using this is it also gives you a pretty, I think, valid uh, idea of how harmful certain plays are like turnovers. Turnovers are incredibly harmful, according to EPA. Uh, Explosive plays are incredibly helpful. They increase your expected scoring uh, margin by uh, much more than a, a short gain might. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a way of taking the result of a play and putting it in context of the down and distance based on historically how often teams have scored. I have, you know, and this is now me commenting on it and not being the uh, the person introdu- introducing the topic. Uh, <laughs> I I have a compl- complicated relationship with EPA because uh, first of all uh, context is my brand. Mm-hmm. Like I I think to me most of our conversations that we have on Twitter, most of the debate that is had on you know talk radio or or you know ESPN or whatever, uh, I I feel like sorely lack amount an amount of context that really would eliminate a lot of these debates and i think so adding expected points into the conversation i think is good because anytime you can add context to it's one of the reasons that i'm not a huge fantasy football fan because it it, it kind of removes all context of the game when you're doing it, it, it or at least it, it changes what the context is oh yeah and and so this to me in a lot of ways is much you know it's an improvement on stats because um because it it, it injects context into the situation um that's why i like expected points one of the issues i have against or i have at times i guess with depending on how it's used and and we will talk about this different points is is It injects down and distance, which I think is important. Uh, it injects points, but I, I think one of the things that it, it, I've always wondered, and, and this is kind of half a question and, and half a concern, it's something really I'm, I'm trying to get you to kind of maybe soothe me on, um, is I feel like intent is not always contextualized in EPA. And, and I guess what I mean is, you know, for teams like Dallas, where they're playing complementary football, and, and I and we're going to get into the whole uh, discussion of of uh, you know when is good to run and run versus pass, and you know running at at, at earlier downs and, and the value of run tied to the pass game. We're going to have a great discussion about that. Uh, but I, I think the one part where I struggle with with EPA is when. There is a complementary football aspect aspect that's happening in the game plan, and so 
because of that, that is like that intent is reflected in the play calling, but not always measured in EPA because EPA is, you know, measuring the play based on how that play will get you points. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it, it makes a lot. I, of sense. And this is this is a conversation that I've been I've wanted to bring you in to, to have because explaining that on Twitter would make me sound like a mad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's hard to have that conversation. But that's one thing about EPA that, it, it, like, as someone who likes analytics and, and and enjoys using the tools in specific situations, where I struggle is when we are adding context to things but i feel like we're not adding full context so how do i guess make me feel better about that or do you agree that that is something that is maybe missing in the formula of epa oh i i'm gonna absolutely agree that it's missing okay so oh, great. let's let's start. <laughs> okay good i'm not crazy yeah no good. you're not crazy uh, let's okay, start good. from the point that epa is pretty much just trying to quantify outcomes right it doesn't tell yeah. us about intent it doesn't tell us about, yeah, what are you trying to set up this play later on? You know, are you uh, like, like, let's let's assume that, you know, it, that when you establish the run early in the game, it makes uh, the play action pass more effective later in the game. Just looking at EPA values on individual plays tells you nothing about whether that's working or whether that's the intent. But what it tells you is whether the play worked. Right. So that's very useful. Um, and it's very, it, and, and like I said earlier, it's laden with so much more context than traditional yardage totals are, um, yeah. because of the down and distance component. Um, so yeah, I, I would actually strongly agree with that, um, that notion that EPA is incomplete and it doesn't tell us everything we need to know. And it certainly doesn't tell us anything about intent. Um, but I do think that using certain data analysis techniques, we can test some hypotheses about football, about the relationships between variables, and about perhaps whether, you know, running the ball more frequently or more effectively early in the game sets up play action so that play action is more effective later in the game, for instance. Those are questions I think we can answer, but it's more through an indirect form of data analysis, comparing the relationships between variables not so much through looking at raw EPA totals on specific plays. Um, so yeah, I think EPA is just a tool, and I yeah. think it's a way better contextual tool than almost anything else available for just valuing what happened on the play and whether it helps the team uh, have a better chance of scoring and winning. Analytics has taught me that you know things that are powerful are dangerous. <laughs> and, 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 and I, I mean, I mean, I guess it didn't teach me that, but I didn't really, hadn't really learned that about sports information and, and, it, but I feel like it's true. I mean, the, I think that the problem is half the time I feel like people are in your feed because they don't really understand what they're arguing about. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they've read something that you've put and you're just, you know, putting out the numbers with, with the acronyms out there and stating fact, factually, and they misread what that means and get upset and kind of reflexively, you know, respond. And well, that's being very, that's being very kind to me because you could also be pointing out 
how hyperbolic I get sometimes because that's just fun on Twitter. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that, that's, yeah, I mean, that's also part of it. Is yeah. it? I mean, look, we're all just, we're all just creating conversations. And, and so, uh, I mean, but at the same time, like, I, I think the, the part that, that holds us back is that you're having, uh, sometimes you're having a nuanced conversation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're having a good time and we're all laughing and we're, we're being comedic. Uh, but, but it's like, you know, people, uh, people reflexively kind of like getting angry about what they're reading without understanding yeah. that, that needs, that needs to change first. So and that's part of what I wanted to talk to you about so we can get into this and, and kind of help because this might be a little bit better of a medium for helping explain some. Oh, stuff, for sure. So. Yeah. I mean, Twitter's, I mean, it can be good if people are approaching it in bad faith or in good faith rather, but, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, it's otherwise a terrible place to discuss ideas but you know uh it's a lot of fun and i do think a lot yeah, exactly. of great conversation does happen on twitter if i didn't oh, feel absolutely. that way i wouldn't be spending as much time there you know <laughs> as much more, more time than we all yeah should. so uh, <laughs> let's let's get into it so we got several different headings of kind of topics that we wanted to talk about um and so we'll go through each and, and just kind of uh, make our way through this list and, and through that, you know, we'll serve that as a, a means to talk about the Cowboys specifically. So um, the first one we wanted to discuss was using EPA to kind of quantify defensive playmaking. And you included a link here and we'll, we'll uh, include it hopefully in, in the, uh, in the description for the podcast as well, uh, which has a list, you know, kind of a graph. And why don't you actually explain you know, what's on the graph and, and how uh, with the X and Y of, the, of being snap count versus EPA. Sure. So, yeah, let, let me back up just a little bit because um, Please. playmaking EPA, this is a, a stat that I sort of named, but I didn't invent. Okay. So there was a, um, going back to Brian Burke, I mentioned Brian Burke earlier, who did a lot of work with expected points models. He had a statistic when he ran his own website, advancedfootballanalytics.com, um, now Brian Burke is at ESPN, uh, working with their analytics department. Um, but at the time, he was doing a lot of this work. He had this stat called, I think it was uh, plus EPA. Um, and the idea behind it was um, trying to quantify defensive playmaking um, using uh, basically all plays that ended in a bad result for the offense. Who caused that play or who made the tackle, who uh, deflected the pass, intercepted the pass. It's taking all our traditional defensive individual statistics and assigning a value to that tackle, assigning a value to that batted pass based on EPA. Um, And so when I started working with NFL Scraper, I thought, I want to do that. You know, I I really want to be able to make these leaderboards um, and and see who the most disruptive players are in the NFL today. Um, So you know, I didn't think that plus EPA was the most explanatory name. So I kind of went with something slightly different and is a slightly differently calculated stat, but very similar in methodology. Um, but definitely the credit for the stat goes to Ryan Burke. I just sort of resurrected it in the public domain. Um, the idea behind playmaking EPA is not to measure everything that a defender does. It's actually really bad at measuring coverage skills, for instance. Mm, um, interesting. It's just, it just doesn't, it's not good for it. But yeah. what it's good for is like giving us an idea of who's making, you know, the splashiest plays. Um, 
it's funny, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with and a lot of your listeners are familiar with Bob Sturm's splash plays. Of course. Yeah, I was going to bring him up. Yeah. So this this statistic is kind of like if you had splash plays, but then you widened the net and tried and, and were able to include a number of additional smaller plays that made a difference in the outcome. Um, a tackle for a two yard gain on first down that made the offense less likely to, to convert. Um, just little things like that. And then it weights all of these events by their impact. So a turnover is a huge play, whereas a, that two-yard tackle is a relatively small one. Um, it's, you know, it's basically an effort to try to get at a measure of total disruption on plays that failed for the offense. Um, it's, it's really interesting because it seems to me, just like you know, as an outsider, it seems to fa- easily, when, when applied, seems to find the kind of big plays that are hidden in the game, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the ones that where, um, you know, okay, he didn't get a turnover here, but because it was third down and he made a tackle, you know, to, you know short of the, that, all those kind of plays that usually traditionally you would have to go through and watch all the tape in order to you know, just count that as a big play. Mm-hmm. Now this seems to collect those uh, along with uh, the more obvious fumble recovery, forced fumble, you know, sack, tackle for loss, all those. Yeah, playmaking EPA loves that third down stop, the fourth down stop yeah. on, on yeah. just a normal running play, something that would just count as a tackle. I mean, it, you yeah. get a big expected points flip um, from those types of plays. It's partly why Jalen Smith... I was going to say. <laughs> this guy <laughs> like, is, is so disruptive. Um, yeah. and he's asked to do different things. I know than, than Leighton Vanderesh is, you know, mm. uh, and it's not really useful to compare the two because of the differences in assignments and styles, but you know, it might surprise some people to hear that, you know, in terms of just sheer, uh, playmaking disruption, Jalen Smith was the more disruptive player, um, in 2018 than, than Vanderesh was, um, on a per play basis and overall. And Demarcus Lawrence as well is another great example of a guy who people probably don't even realize, even Cowboys fans, how many huge third and fourth down stops that ended drives were caused by Demarcus Lawrence on plays that weren't even sacks. You know, um, that's the kind of thing playmaking EPA captures. And I'm fascinated by it. It's not like a perfect stat. It's at best half the picture of defensive yeah. of, of the defense because it doesn't include any positive play any good plays for the the offense you know it's yeah. only the negative plays for the offense and who caused that uh which individual de- defensive player was directly involved in that outcome but i think it's a huge upgrade just for me personally i would much rather look at uh the playmaking epa and start from that point uh to figure out the big plays and the big playmakers I would much rather do that than just look at a list of the tackling readers, you know? Um, so th- yeah, I think it's, it's useful for a lot of things and I'm still trying to figure out, uh, I need to test it at some point and see how predictive it is. Cause it's kind of intensive to, to test these things sometimes for me at least. And, um, uh, but descriptively just explaining what happened in a game on defense and who was involved in that yeah. play. I, I, I think it's one of the best things that's out there right now in the public domain. It's, you know, it, it's, it's about defensive creators, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it, you're finding the guys who are, you know, when, when your team needs the, the guys who are consistently doing it, it's, it, it's not surprising. And, and I, but what is surprising is 
kind of seeing them in relation to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, like for instance, one of the things that this link does is that you can do you know, your team, but then on top of that, you can do multiple teams and you can do it by position. And uh, I just happened, I don't know how my fingers did this, but I just happened to type in Dally, Dallas and Philly's defense mm-hmm. on top of each other. And looking at how far above in e playmaking EPA, Demarcus Lawrence and Jalen Smith are to say Fletcher Cox yeah. or even Michael Bennett from last season uh, is shocking, mm-hmm. you know, it, and, and it kind of gives you an idea of, you know, because we're, we're in our own bubble to a certain degree, but it gives you an idea of like how in relation to the rest of the league, at least by name, how good Demarcus Lawrence is at, at creating plays big and small uh, as a defender and Jalen Smith, obviously as well. I mean, Jalen Smith is shocking just because the number of snaps he's, he's playing, I mean, well over 900 snaps, mm-hmm. but his EPA is, you know, is almost, I mean, I, I can't quite get that, but I'm assuming it's at 70. And so that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, to to put that in context for probably some of the the listeners, I mean, there's there's like ten players in the NFL maybe that you know had a higher uh, a disruptive impact on defense as measured by playmaking playmaking EPA than Jalen Smith did in the whole league. Wow. Maybe ten players. Um, there's this dot, this hilarious dot at the top of the chart. Um, yeah, that's Aaron Donald. In case you were wondering, uh, I, was, I assumed as much. So, I wasn't sure if that was a, a problem with my screen or no. But. That's yeah, that smudge <laughs> on your screen is Aaron Donald, yeah. uh, the alien uh, defensive tackle. Yeah. Um, Demarcus Lawrence is actually the highest um, uh, of any edge defender in the NFL. He had the highest uh, playmaking EPA total for the season, despite having fewer snaps than a number of other edge defenders. Um, yeah. It, and Lawrence was driven. I mean, he had good pass rush uh, uh, impact, but Lawrence, I mean, just wrecked opposing offenses on on critical high leverage downs over and over all season long. I mean, I don't know how re- replicable that is going forward, um, but it was amazing and, and very helpful for the Cowboys, uh, I think, as they uh, were were winning games in uh, the 2018 season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, just along these lines before we move on, were there any other surprises or, or what, what, what else did you kind of just take away overall from, from this that, I mean, once you were finished and you got to actually look at the numbers, uh, you know, what, 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 what surprised you the most in kind of looking I guess league wide at, at all these defensive play playmakers and and how things were grouped. Um, one early surprise was just a pleasant one, which that I I looked at the leaderboards and discovered that a lot of the players that we think of as really really good <laughs> were at the top because what you don't good. what you don't want is a stat that just measures volume and yeah. you know you want something that's going to measure uh, some something real something that's descriptive and, and gives you an idea of how this player is helping uh, his team to, to win. So I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, not surprised perhaps, but I was definitely happy to see that. And just generally, I mean, um, names pop out. Uh, you know, Cowboys fans are not going to be happy to hear this. Uh, TJ Watt is a... Uh, incredibly good play by playmaking EPA. Um, I'm not one of the people who, you know, 
points fingers and says, oh, this was such an obvious decision uh, in the draft or anything. But it's definitely the case that, you know, Charlton is, has not been what TJ Watt has been. Although, oh, he hasn't. EPA points that out. Yeah, Taco Charlton <laughs> has not been a playmaking slouch. You know, I mean, uh, no, I mean, a per snap basis, I bet that it's actually not yeah, bad. I mean, he got above average on a per snap basis for sure for Taco Charlton, which, you know, that's not nothing. Um, no. But uh, yeah, you know, it's there's lots of little things like that. I, I don't even know how to get into all of them. But uh, the you know, biggest surprise, though. I mean, Aaron Donald is no one's close to him. Mm. No edge rusher is close to his playmaking impact. Um, and I mean, he's he's got over a hundred uh, expected points added on failed plays for the opposing offense that he was directly involved in. And there's only one other player in the league that had more than seventy-five. That's wow. how crazy Donald's season was. Um, that second player, the second highest player, was. Darius Leonard, I think, linebacker for the Colts, rookie, mm-hmm. um, who, was he snubbed for the All-Pro team? I forget if he made it or not. But, yeah, I think he was, actually. Um, I mean, if I remember correctly, because wasn't he complaining about it? I feel like he, he was. He might have been snubbed for Pro Bowl and made All-Pro or something like that. But Something like that. That's probably more likely, yeah, honestly. Uh, Darius Leonard was, I mean, just insane, like, in a way that I didn't yeah. hear anyone talking about um during the season i mean i heard you hear colts fans talk about how good he was but on a national level i was i was like who's this guy and he was on the top of the leaderboards every single week um just making tons of plays and we're not just talking tackles that are really good but i mean he was forcing a ton of turnovers and the interesting thing about playmaking epa is once again it's it's heavily influenced by turnovers you create because there's big plays um but there's also has to be some degree of regularity with which you're, you know, making uh, stops and making tackles. And so I like that it's kind of stabilized by that. But I don't know yet how much we can draw conclusions about a player's future performance based on his past performance by playmaking EPA. So I wouldn't say like that you would always want to just pay it's someone necessarily. Yeah, yet. you don't want just yeah. want to necessarily say I'm going to give a however long of a contract to a player that had good playmaking EPA, you would want to test this a little bit more from the perspective of how replicable are these results for individual players. Well, I mean, you have to think it's probably pretty replicable if you're looking at the list and through on a full season basis, they're, you know, they're, they're passing the eyeball test. Yep. I mean, I'm, obviously you, it's promising is I guess what I'm getting at. You just need more data. At this point. Yeah. I'm definitely going to keep my eye on this because this, <clears throat> I, I like i said i think this has been a difficult this is one of the those areas that analytics has really helped kind of illuminate as where you know we we know that the nfl has i guess volatile players players that you know that can create big plays on the defensive side but i, I think what's hard to find are the kind of players who can consistently disrupt uh and i think that this might be a, a, a key to kind of help you know, help kind of identify those guys without having to go through every single snap of every single play. Uh, 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 people that are consistently producing game-changing plays mm-hmm. regularly. I mean, it, it, that's that's what the you know you hope this eventually can suss itself out to be. Yeah. So. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. 
Part two of this podcast will come out on Tuesday, talking a little bit more about the running game in the NFL. Do running backs matter? How do we use play action? All that kind of stuff. Another uh, just fascinating uh, segment from Landon and Daniel. So make sure you guys tune back in tomorrow for that podcast.